Hi, I'm Alan Alexandrov, and I'm the senior editor of the journal Global Summetry, which can be found at the Global Summetry Project website at the Monk School of Global Affairs and Public Policy, University of Toronto. It's my pleasure today to introduce uh, a good friend, Limon Hook, from the KDI Institute in South Korea. I was very keen to get uh, Limon Hook into the virtual studio to look at the what appear to be the very successful efforts of the South Korean government uh, to uh, deal with the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Limon Hook is currently teaching at SICE in Washington as an adjunct professor. He is, as I mentioned, a professor at the KDI School of Public Policy and Management in South Korea. Uh, he holds a PhD in economics from Stanford University. And just before I bring uh, Limon Hook into the studio, I do want to remind folks that this is one of a series in uh, the NOW series podcast uh, on uh, responses to the COVID-19 crisis. Um, and it includes uh, a podcast with Matthew Goodman from CSIS in Washington on the G20 um, responses. Tori Tausick from the Belfer Center at Harvard on Europe's responses. Oliver De La Costa Stunkel from FGV in Sao Paulo on Brazil's responses and the impact on Latin America. And most recently, Tom Wright of the Brookings Institution examining the responses of the UK and uh, Ireland. So let me turn now to, the, uh, to welcome uh, Lim Wan Hook into our studio. All right, so um, uh, I'm really interested in um, uh, Korea's response uh, to COVID-19, which is one of the reasons for getting in touch with you uh, to discuss the matter. Uh, what I let's start with kind of the big picture. Uh, obviously, the uh, the pandemic has been a, a dramatic event for. Um, uh, the global environment. Uh, do you think that the leading states and the significant international organizations, be they the WHO or the WTO or the UN or whatever, um, and and for that matter, the informals as well, have they really stepped up uh, to to this crisis as far as you can see? Uh, no, um, I, I think... Uh, international organizations are fundamentally limited, uh, given their budget uh, and also uh, the uh, authority uh, they are allowed to have. Mm -hmm. And uh, a number of countries who could have led uh, a crisis response were dealing with an epidemic or pandemic uh, uh, of their own uh, within the national boundaries. So there wasn't much international cooperation as far uh, as far as i can see so mm -hmm. far really yeah. um so and yeah, as you probably were aware there were obviously at least a number of virtual meetings that did take place namely right. you know the g7 foreign ministers got together um, virtually the finance ministers the g20 trade ministers uh, as well as the g20 finance ministers um, and I take it 
you know, your your reaction is that they really haven't, unlike, let's say, uh, the global financial crisis of 2008-2009, you don't see any kind of concerted collective uh, action on their part. Right. Um, there, there was also the G20 summit, a you know, virtual summit yep. uh, in March as well. But uh, what was critical, in my view, uh, for this kind of crisis, a public health crisis involving an epidemic mm-hmm. or pandemic, is, um, um, is uh, how to uh, deal with uh, healthcare system capacity um, uh, as uh, you know, you need to ramp up uh, the uh, production or supply of uh, essential uh, medical equipment and so on, and uh, and also how to uh, how to uh, test and contact trace internationally. Right. But uh, prior to this crisis, uh, there wasn't uh, any kind of framework uh, to deal with uh, this kind of uh, task. Uh, what I have in mind is, uh, is uh, as follows. If something happened in Wuhan, in China, right? Yep. And uh, people actually uh, travel out of Wuhan and you know other cities in uh, China, mm-hmm. and also there may be a you know, local transmission and uh, these people in turn go overseas as well, travel overseas as well, I mean, if we could um, track down, uh, you know, where these people uh, have been, uh, say through uh, uh, GPS information or what they uh, what they did on say uh, uh, chatting uh, uh, apps and so on, it would be very uh, uh, it would it would make contact tracing much easier. I uh, see. Suppose you know you knew that. Uh, people from, uh, you know, uh, hundreds of people from Wuhan visited a particular city in, say, Europe, right? right, right. And and then, you know, uh, given their uh, phone use, smartphone use and uh, chatting app use, you could mm-hmm. track down uh, where uh, these people were. Uh, but then we don't have a system like that. And uh, it always raises a, a, a sensitive issue of uh, privacy uh, versus uh uh, you know, externalities in right. dealing with uh, 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 infectious diseases. So there, there wasn't really a framework for uh, something like that. And uh, in my view, that's uh, probably one of the reasons why it was much more difficult to uh, respond to this kind of crisis than, say, financial crisis, where, you know, agreements among, uh, you know, uh, different countries could be forged and you could uh, try and shore up aggregate demand uh, with uh, expansive, uh, you know, expansionary uh, uh, monetary and fiscal policy, for instance. So I, I don't think we did. I don't think we had an adequate, uh, you know, global framework to deal with a crisis like this. So uh, you know, that makes sense. I mean, that you're pointing to, I mean, the global financial uh, crisis in 2008-2009 was right in the, you know, kind of the heart of what um, the uh, G20 was all about, and and the leaders were right. um, meeting was created at the at the time of the crisis. But you know, the finance ministers um, and had the kind of the whip hand; they 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 knew what to do. But this this is quite a distinct kind of crisis. 
that uh, where public health and you've never seen the kind of collective effort uh, that in any really significant way matches uh, right. what we see in finance. But let me add, there was a report out of the uh, South China Morning Post which said that, in fact, there was supposed to have been, and we've I've been trying with some of my colleagues to just confirm this, haven't had much luck yet, but that there was supposed to be a second uh, G20 leaders meeting last Friday, uh, and that it was called off. And it was called off because of uh, the, you know, kind of conflict between China and the United States, particularly around the role and, in quotes, condemnation of the WHO. Have, have you heard anything about this? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me, but I didn't hear any uh, direct, uh, you know, uh, direct information. I, I didn't have any uh, direct right. information regarding that, but it didn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, but that does raise, I mean, in, again, in contrast to 10, uh, 10 years ago and a bit, um, you know, and leaving aside, you know, the question of finance ministers versus other kinds of ministers and frameworks, that, of course, the relationship uh, today, currently, between the United States and China and the Chinese and the leadership, and, right. you know, is, is, dis, is so distinct from what it was uh, right. in 2008, 2009. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, because, I mean, imagine back in 2008 uh, that the, the Chinese government uh, had said that, uh, you know, we are going, going to get to the uh, root of the problem uh, regarding, say, uh, subprime mortgage, um, uh, mortgage uh, fiasco, as right. well as, uh, you know, Lehman, um, Lehman crisis. And uh, instead of dealing with the crisis on hand, uh, say, try to shift blame. Uh, and uh, kind of uh, get into a, a bashing match uh, mm -hmm. with the United States. I, I, I don't think that would be very conducive to promoting, you know, a coordinated respo a response to the crisis. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, but this time around, I mean, things are very different. Uh, things have changed quite a bit over the past decade uh, or so. So, yeah. yeah. You yeah. don't have the you know the necessary background uh, of uh, goodwill, if you will, uh, mm -hmm. to deal with the crisis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So uh, let's turn a little bit more to Korea. Do you are you aware of any Korean uh, efforts to, you know, kind of either acting uh, bilaterally or uh, in the region? Let's say you know through the trilateral summit, which is Korea, Japan, and mm -hmm. China or any of the regional uh, bodies, uh, APEC or whatever, um, uh, of uh, Korean initiatives or Korean efforts to encourage uh, greater uh, uh, collaboration. Are you aware of that? Um, we haven't put out a, Korea hasn't put out a uh, concrete initiative just yet, but there's uh, quite a bit of discussion on uh, promoting uh, regional cooperation at, uh, say, for instance, ASEAN Plus Three mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Forum, and also through the uh, G20. In fact, the first uh, G20 uh, virtual meeting at the leadership level, uh, Korea supported and uh, in in some way, you know, uh, initiated uh, as well. So, mm -hmm. uh, Korea is trying to 
you know, uh, uh, use this opportunity uh, to uh, promote global health cooperation, given that the International Health Regulation 2005, which was uh, established uh, right after the uh, uh, SARS epidemic, mm -hmm. uh, still has a lot of, uh, you know, holes in it. So, you know, uh, move the... Uh, uh, the discussion and cooperation forward uh, is the basic position of the Korean government. Mm -hmm. Just as a reminder for the audience, uh, ASEAN plus three is the ASEAN 10 plus uh, China, Japan, and Korea. Uh, that's right. And uh, it's, that's interesting that there was some initiative there. Um, turning more to Korea's uh, domestic response, uh, Korea has, has been identified as uh, one of the successful governments in significantly uh, slowing the spread of the virus. So, uh, maybe you can describe to us some of these initiatives um, that have been so successful since we know that, uh, you know, the, there was in February an identified a cluster that yeah. emerged uh, in, in the city, I think it's De Daegu, um, right. it, it was a religious group in that city that had this meeting and uh, it, the virus began to spread like wildfire. Right, right. Well, uh, but before discussing Korea's response to COVID-19, mm -hmm. there's actually prehistory of, uh, of a failed response to uh, Middle East uh, Respiratory uh, Syndrome, oh, MERS, MERS. Um, in, yeah. Yeah. in 2015. Yep. Because... Uh, uh, in 2015, there was an uh, there was a MERS epidemic in Korea, right? Uh, which happened to be the largest uh, epidemic outside the Middle East. Wow! Uh, so, yeah. uh, you know, number of cases um, uh, Korea had uh, was about 180 cases. Uh, that was uh, second only to Saudi Arabia. Hmm. Uh, 38 people died, and a lot of uh, uh, medical professionals were infected as well. So after the failed response to uh, MERS, uh, there was a wholesale revision of the uh, Infectious Disease Control and Prevention Act in July 2015. This is a, a domestic Korean piece of legislation. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what it did was to uh, uh, to facilitate information flow. Mm -hmm. uh, that's. Uh, important to deal with uh, infectious diseases like MERS, SARS, or COVID-19 in this case. Right. So, for instance, uh, medical professionals uh, now had uh, the right to uh, receive relevant information regarding uh, infected patients and uh, their movement and contacts and so on. In addition, uh, the, the law made it uh, a, a law mandated the government to release relevant information on infected uh, people, uh, you know, their uh, mode of transportation, uh, their location, uh, and so on. Uh, so the, the government could not withhold information on uh, infectious diseases and, and infected people mm -hmm. uh, on the ground that uh, the release of such information might provoke uh, public panic. Because uh, in this episode in 2015, uh, Korean people uh, came to learn that, you know, withholding information uh, by the government actually 
creates more panic, not less, if people are, you know, dying uh, due to uh, infection and so on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and to make uh, this mandate, uh, you know, practical, um, it, it, uh, the government now had the power to uh, the, the Ministry of Health and the uh, Korea's uh, Centers for uh, Disease Control and Prevention mm-hmm. now had the, had the authority uh, to request uh, relevant information from you know, local governments as well as uh, hospitals and medical institutions as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, uh, to deal with the possible misuse and abuse of information obtained uh, obtained on, on the ground of dealing with uh, infectious diseases. Uh, if there's such uh, abuse and misuse, uh, there's a penalty for government officials uh, who abuse and misuse information hmm. uh, under the Personal Information Protection Act. So, huh. so, so the information flow channel was, uh, was uh, you know, uh, uh, cleared up, basically, and hmm. Korea uh, built institutional capacity as well, uh, hiring uh, epidemio- epidemiological investigators at, uh, at local governments as well. So uh, Korea was in a much better position to deal with COVID-19 than uh, it had been uh, in 2015. 15. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. And uh, one of the key steps that uh, KCDC, Korea's uh, Centers for Disease uh, Control and Prevention, uh, uh, took was um, was that as soon as China uh, released the uh, genetic sequence of the coronavirus, mm-hmm. uh, a KCDC uh, got to work, and on uh, January 27th, the last day of Lunar New Year's holidays uh, this year, uh, convened experts as well as private sector companies specializing in uh, test kits and so on. And KCDC shared the information on uh, what's necessary to target uh, in a test kit like this and urge these private sector companies uh, to develop uh, test kits and reagents uh, to uh, facilitate um, testing, even when the number of confirmed cases in Korea was less than 10 at the time. Wow. So, uh, and uh, and on February 4th, uh, there was uh, emergency use approval for successful test kits uh, that became uh, available. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before uh, there was this outbreak in Daegu, um, starting with uh, patient 31, <laughs> uh, February 18th, uh, you know, centered around the uh, kind of uh, quasi-religious sect, Shincheonji, uh, yeah. uh, test kits were available in uh, massive quantities. So what Korea was able to do was uh, that whenever something, uh, some outbreak happened, a uh, huge amount of uh, testing uh, could be con- uh, was conducted. For instance, when Shincheonji cluster, the uh, religious sect cluster, um, was discovered, uh, Korean government decided to test, uh, you know, for uh, all uh, two hundred thousand Shincheonji wow. uh, members, hmm. uh, and they did that, uh, and. Uh, this was only possible because early uh, and uh, rapid response focused on testing and contact tracing. Yeah. Contact 
tracing with ICT, uh, you know, uh, information and communication technology were available. So this, you know, Korea learned a pa uh, painful lesson from its failure in 2015 with the uh, MERS epidemic and uh, was, uh, was able to apply those lessons uh, to uh, COVID-19. That's really interesting. Has Korea, uh, in addition to the, the kind of the digital elements uh, regarding tracing, have they put in place a significant number of individuals uh, who have been uh, uh, adding to the contact tracing through this period as well? Yeah, uh, one of the uh, first things uh, uh, Korea did was to set up a uh, dedicated call center for COVID-19 hmm. uh, with a dedicated number. Mm -hmm. uh, 1339 was the phone number. <laughs> and when there were quite a few incoming calls, uh, the uh, uh, operatives were more operatives were uh, operators, I, I should say, operators were hired. Really? And then building on the uh, epidemiological investi uh, investigators that local governments had hired in the wake of the uh, MERS uh, epidemic, uh, they added uh, more investigators uh, who could help with uh, uh, contact tracing. Yes. And uh, one other, one another, uh, another important factor was that given the experience with 2015 Middle East uh, respiratory syndrome, mm -hmm. uh, medical professionals had advocated uh, for a stockpile of uh, essential medical supplies like huh. uh, masks, yeah. so yeah. you know, and and pr uh, personal pro uh, protective equipment. So these uh, essential supplies were available. Um, in the early stage mm -hmm. of the epidemic. Mm -hmm. That, you know, just, it's interesting, very interesting. I mean, the contrast with some of the other environments that we are all too aware of, such as obviously uh, Italy or Spain, and of course now the United States, it, right. it's really quite interesting. Let, let's carry it forward a little bit because, um, in fact, South Korea uh, had uh, scheduled and undertook an election. Uh, I That's take right. it this was a legislative election, national yep. legislative right. election, yeah. Yeah. Uh, on April fifteenth. What what was that? How did you handle? How did the Korean government handle this in the face of <laughs> of an epidemic right. or a pandemic? Yeah. So uh, by the end of February, um, you know things really spiked. So yep. there were, you know, like 900 newly confirmed cases uh, uh, on uh, February 29th. And in the last week of February, uh, President Moon Jae-in's uh, approval rating had plummeted uh, down to low 40s, 41, 42 percent. Huh. And there were uh, obviously politicians uh, who were concerned about the uh, election coming up. Mm -hmm. But instead of uh, being... Uh, you know, overly concerned about the uh, number of newly confirmed cases, uh, the government decided to get at the uh, root of the problem and test and contact trace. Right. right? So right. Instead of uh, covering up, if you will, with uh, fewer tests and uh, and, you know, getting better headline numbers that actually conceal uh, uh, what was going on um, uh, in reality, the government in instead decided to go uh, take a you know textbook approach, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, dealing with the crisis. 
And even uh, with the stockpile of, uh, you know, uh, personal protective equipment and so on, there still was some problem with, um, um, with uh, you know, overloading the uh, 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 healthcare system capacity. Mm-hmm. So in early March, what Korea did was to categorize um, the, the severity a severity of uh, symptoms asso- associated with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, four categories uh, were established, and those with mild sim- uh, symptoms would be uh, treated at what was uh, what was called the uh, living treatment centers. Hmm. These were basically, uh, you know, uh, public employee training centers and uh, private sector employee training centers mm-hmm. that were converted to sort of makeshift hospitals um, where medical professionals could be uh, uh, could uh, could be in residence and mm-hmm. see people with mild symptoms right uh, and uh, free up space for regular hospitals right so these measures uh, had the effect of ramping up uh, you know healthcare uh, system capacity and whenever there was an outbreak of uh, you know, COVID-19 at, say, um, uh, long-term care facilities and so on, mm-hmm. testing and contact tracing and treating uh, treatment. So test, trace, and treatment, basically, uh, uh, became uh, the, the 3T-pronged uh, uh, approach, three-pronged uh, approach to, uh, uh, to the problem. Mm-hmm. And by the uh, second week of April, uh, just before the uh, uh, election, uh, President uh, Moon Jae-in's approval rating had reached uh, 59%, (laughs) given the hard work that the government uh, had put in. Mm -hmm. People became appreciative of uh, what had happened, and uh, the ruling party uh, got a lot of dividends out of the way, uh, uh, thanks uh, thanks to the prior effort dealing with the health crisis. As far as the uh, election was concerned, you know, people were required to wear masks and uh, uh, wear gloves as well. Mm-hmm. And there was uh, physical distancing, uh, one meter or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and even those uh, infected with COVID-19, with, you know, mild symptoms and uh, so on, could vote uh, in separate booths. Uh, so as to exercise their right as uh, as a voter. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's how it kind of uh, evolved uh, with the uh, political uh, election coming up. Wow. Fascinating. And I, I take it because you had these centers for mild, one of the additional features that that was doing was taking these individuals and isolating them from their families and so forth. That's right. Yeah. And in that's doing right. that, of course, you helped to stop the spread. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And that was one of the reasons why uh, living treatment centers were set up, because if you ask people with mild symptoms, uh, you know, to stay at home. Right. Uh, they will easily they could easily uh, uh, transmit the, yeah. the disease to their family members. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. oh, that's, I mean, quite a comprehensive kind of view of how to how to deal with it and <laughs> clearly paid dividends for the ruling party to as well right. maybe one last question i mean it's fascinating what the approach uh, that the uh, korean government has taken but has there been any interaction 
with uh, with uh, North Korea? Uh, I mean, is there any pro- likelihood that there is spread into North Korea, or are they so isolated that this is not not a real uh, problem? Well, um, North Korea, you know, closed off the border right. with China um, right. in uh, late January, mm-hmm. and they claim there's no you know, uh, known case of COVID-19, but given the nature of the disease, uh, you know, it is highly suspected there there are, you know, in cases. In, in the, uh, right. And, uh, and Seoul has uh, proposed to um, cooperate with uh, Pyongyang on uh, COVID-19 response, you know, given uh, the very poor state of, uh, uh, you know, uh, public health system in North Korea today, mm-hmm. but uh, there has yet to be a uh, formal response from uh, North Korea. On this oh, okay, maybe uh, the kind of uh, final element. I mean, has the uh, South Korean government had uh, discussions with uh, Japan? It's been a very fraught recent relationship with Japan, and, right. and I wonder whether this was an opportunity to nevertheless. Uh, reach out uh, to Japan with respect to at least this issue, that is the pandemic. Right, right. Well, I mean, President Moon Jae-in in uh, his speech on March 1st, you know, uh, celebrating the uh, March 1st independence movement in Korea, Mm -hmm. uh, said that he will be willing to cooperate with uh, Japan on you know a, a variety uh, of issues, including things like COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. but there hasn't really been a okay. uh, you know response in kind. Uh, if anything, uh, you know the unilateral um, suspension of uh, you know no visa program um, by Japan. Yes, you know no visa uh, that actually had a had a negative impact on bilateral relations between uh, Korea and Japan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but given given the uh, the turn of events uh, over the past four weeks or so, with uh, uh, Japan having some issues with uh, COVID nineteen, especially after postponing the Tokyo Olympics, right? Uh, I think there's a you know there's a, an expectation that uh, some bilateral cooperation between uh, uh, Korea and Japan could take place okay. on the issue of COVID-19. Oh, okay. And finally, uh, the great neighbor, uh, China, has there been uh, further discussions following the fact that, of course, it began there in uh, in right. Wuhan? Yeah. Um, well, uh, Korea, uh, from the start, uh, took a very uh, measured approach to uh uh, border control mm-hmm. uh, instead of shutting it off uh, completely, you know, uh, only uh, in a Hubei province uh, really yeah. was uh, yeah. uh, subject to a travel ban, inbound travel ban. Yep. Uh, and uh, Korea uh, resorted to the principle of uh, reciprocity, um, you know, uh, be it with uh, Japan or other countries. Uh, so until like April 9th, uh, Korea. Uh, you know, had things open pretty much. Mm-hmm. But as uh, more uh, people from Europe and the United States uh, came in uh, with uh, COVID-19, mm. uh, 
you know, Korea placed a two-week quarantine for all inbound passengers yep. and also suspended uh, no visa entry programs on a reciprocal basis. Uh, as far as uh, China was concerned, uh, you know, uh, uh, given uh, Korea's, uh, you know, extensive economic relationship with China, uh, uh, wholesale ban on travel was not, uh, was not, um, you know, uh, imposed yeah. uh, even in the most, uh, you know, serious uh, period of uh, 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 transmission. And uh, still, uh, however, as far as the general public is concerned, uh, the way the crisis was mishandled in China in early stages. Right. In, yep. you know, November, December, and uh, up to the third week of uh, January, uh, that I think has uh, had a very, uh, very negative impact on how uh, uh, people, uh, Korean people, perceive uh, China because they were supposed to have, uh, you know, taken care of uh, this problem mm-hmm. uh, since uh, uh, SARS in 2003. They uh, they supposed to have they are supposed to have uh, reformed the public health system right. as well as the reporting system and everything and. It, it was uh, uh, quite a bit of disappointment uh, that something you know like this happened once again, uh, uh, starting in China. Yeah, I mean it's interesting uh, that uh, you know uh, at the time of uh, SARS they did close the uh, the wet markets. That's right in yeah. China, and I mean that was a um, you know they passed uh, they prohibited it. I mean from right. the from the national level, but that slowly these things came back. And yep. I mean things I didn't really understand that in fact there are wet markets all over Asia. Right. Uh, you know, in, in, in various places, but clearly they were back and now of course right. they've closed it down, but I, you know, right. it's not, I, I, I mean, going forward, there has to be some, uh, you know, international guideline, um, mm-hmm. some force on things like animal trafficking and wet markets. Right. Uh, right. If, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I want to thank you, Lemon, for this fascinating kind of uh, discussion uh, of Korea's response uh, to the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, I had no idea that, you know, it really does link up with previous crises in in, in the case of Korea, uh, the MERS, um, uh, pan- well, not pandemic, but epidemic. Epidemic. Yeah, yep. that, that did occur. So thank you very much for joining us. Okay. Uh, Thanks for having me. Okay. Thank you. You've been listening to the Global Symmetry Podcast with Alan Alexandrov. This episode was edited by Kyle Fulton, and the music you heard was composed and performed by Rory Lavelle. You can find more of his music at rorylavelle.bandcamp.com.